Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Feel me? It's a tough city. Uh, you know, they're gonna tell you why it is, and you know, I love it. Philadelphia because they care. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers pod. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by my producer, my running mate, Cliff Augustine. Cliff, what's up, man? Raheem had better, better thing, better things to do than talk about the Sixers season ending. Good, because I don't even know how we want to like. <laughs> how do we like possibly get through this like mayhem of what we just witnessed? Like, that, yeah. was that not everything? Was that not like our worst nightmare, right? Like, I get that Raheem loves to see games in close. Like, he'd rather you lose big instead of lose, you know, pretty close. But, like, damn, 50 piece, lose by 30. Everybody gets smoked. And B looks horrible. James Harden, I don't, I don't even know if I want him back on the Sixers next year. Doc Rivers, you know, he's asked if his job's on the line. He says, you know, I got two more years here, so I guess I'm coming back here. And I, Chris, man, like, a lot of people, they love to go into panic mode and say, like, let's just tear it all down. I'm not quite there yet, but man, that was spooky. That was very, very spooky in that garden today. Well, I'll tell you what. You look around the league right now, most teams that lose in the second round seem to be in that kind of mode. You see what they just did to Monty Williams. They see, you see what Correct. they did to, to Coach Bud. I, I actually don't think this is on Doc. I mean, we've, we've joked all season long. We call him Glenn. We, we talk about adjustments or whether or not his rotations are right. I'm, this isn't on Doc. Doc, yeah. Doc maybe outcoached Missoula this series until that <laughs> Robert Williams switch that he made in game six. But um, yeah, I mean, I think you have to start at the top and at the top for the Sixers, it's not, it's not Doc. It's not Maury. It's not Josh Harris. It's Joel. It's Joel Embiid. And so... Does the, game, does the way that the game snowball 
like does that affect the Doc Rivers thing in any sort of way? Because I think it will. Like ultimately, I think like I think more. But like, and I, Grant I mean, what do you them. what like what is the? I, this is the thing is like yeah. I get that you can fire the coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like these guys, these owners, they'll just be like, "Cool, I'll just do the buyout. I'll just pay off the contract. It'll be whatever." But like, I understand the Doc and elimination game stats, and I. I you know, you could also say the guys had a lot of opportunities to play in lost, elimination games. Lost 10 game sevens. 10 games that, like, that's crazy. But, but do you think that these guys need Doc Rivers to give them a Friday Night Light speech to get up for playing against Boston in game seven oh. in the Garden? No. I mean, I, like, I don't really understand, like, what are we talking about here? This is not about motivation. No. If they're not motivated, then they shouldn't, they shouldn't be playing basketball professionally or they should just go go play for the hornets go get the bag you know what i mean or go play for the rockets and go get the bag go play for the rockets or whatever it is look let's let's kind of take this piece by piece here so i have a couple of things we can empty the notebook here and we can go back and forth about it they got absolutely torched the sixers lost the game seven in boston uh the final score god i don't even know what the final score was i kind of turned it off after a second 112 to 88 i was gonna say there's a lot to a little yeah, it didn't feel that close, honestly. And they got absolutely torched by Tatum and Brown in the first half, and they were only down three. And you're thinking, I'll, I'll put, say it in I terms. I was thinking, man, we just talk, took Boston's best shot. You know what? And we're still in it. We are down three. Boston freezes in close games. This crowd will abandon them. Jalen Brown knows that. Jalen Brown was like, you know what? Sometimes they call us out. We're going to call the fans out. Sometimes you guys get, get down too easy. And I, I kind of felt like it was weird watching the national broadcast because I felt like it was mostly about Celtics. It was mostly talking about Tatum. It was mostly talking about Brown. It was mostly talking about Boston. That's fine. But I was like, you know what? I think we're sneaky in this. And I like our chances if it gets close and, it's, and, and it goes down to the wire and this is a single-digit game and we can kind of start to, to prey on maybe Boston getting tense because the pressure was kind of on Boston in that sense. It's in their gym. They're supposed to beat the Sixers. Nobody picked the Sixers to win this series. And as the third quarter starts, Tatum specifically comes out and lights the Sixers on fire in third. He scores 17 of the Celtics' 33 third quarter points. The Sixers turn the ball over five times. They score 10 points, and that's it. The rest of the game is basically a three-point drill for the Celtics and a layup line when they weren't making threes. And the Sixers did not seem to have a single idea. And maybe you could say that's on Doc, but the Sixers were like, our offense is predicated on having James Harden handle the basketball and then get the ball to Joel Embiid. We wind down the clock. We, they, the Sixers obviously like almost wanted a close game, the way that they play, the way that they can't get anything going before six seconds left in the shot clock. And this is what happens. We were waiting all series for the Celtics to get hot from behind the arc. They take 53s a game. If the math goes in their direction, you're going to get what you get today and you get absolutely torched. And I've seen online among on Reddit, on Twitter, in my group chats, people describing this as the one of the worst losses in Philadelphia professional sports history. Um, I guess that a lot of it depends, Cliff. I guess I'll ask you this. All right. Whether or not you ever thought we were going to yeah. win. Oh, okay. So I did go into that game like, cautiously optimistic right and i'm thinking to myself if we like you said if we get into that first half and get out of that first half and look halfway decent this might look respectable but then the third quarter just came out and that was like warriors-esque 
Kevin Durant, you know, error, yeah. uh, third quarter snowball where Tatum got his switches on Maxi, and for some reason, I guess D'Anthony Melton was going to be answer on t- like that. That's another thing about coaching to me is like the D'Anthony Melton thing that that he covers Tatum. I'm just like that that matchup never favored us in no way, shape, or form. Cliff, and I'm man. like. Let, come on, dude. We got to say what we got to say here. You know yeah. who else he was switching on to, though? He was switching on to the MVP. MB2, MB2, yeah. They Maxi were MVP. hunting Embiid. They were hunting the perimeter matchup with Embiid. They were hunting the MVP. That's crazy. He's not Steph Curry. He's one of the greatest defensive players I've ever seen in my life. And he's getting absolutely annihilated. Exactly. But he's, he's great at rim protection. So once you get a big dude out like that on the perimeter... Like, what do you get? You know what I'm saying? So at the top, at the top, you know, at the, at the top of formation, every time it was all right, give me Maxi, give me Embiid, give me the switch. They didn't, they didn't try to double him. They didn't try to blitz. Like, it just, it was just like, all right, listen, we'll just live with the switch and to see what happens. And then mm-hmm. Tatum was just hitting the shots. Like, t- like basketball is weird like that sometimes where it's like, whatever strategy you have, it really won't do anything. But in a game seven, I'm just like, throw the kitchen sink at it. Like, see what could happen. Run the double yeah. team. Like I'd rather not get just not let this guy score fifty points on me, and then just try to get it in you know Derek White's hands or Malcolm Brogdon's, who are both very good in their own respect. But I'm just like, he's the one who's torching you, and it doesn't matter what he does. Like you said, they they isolated him beat a bunch of times in that third quarter, and he just lift you know lifted a shot up because Tatum was six ten, right over Embiid, got that little bit of airspace, and everything was just cash from there on out, and then. I was just like, as the as the third quarter was rolling on, I was just like, damn, like this is just one of those Philadelphia failures that is just half that we're just witnessing. Like this is like the dumpster is just lit on fire right now, and I don't know what is about to come out of this after this game is over. Like there's, yeah, there there well, has to be some type of big changes that happens after this, and we'll get into that. But like the, as the third quarter is just rolling on, I'm just like, I see twelve points, I see fourteen points, then it's. I think the third quarter ended up being like a 20-point uh, deficit or something, 21-point deficit, correct me if I'm wrong. And then I, at the end of that, I'm just like, wow, like this all just just came crashing down in a matter of 12 minutes. <laughs> that, that's so just insane. I, you talk about the uh, the consequences of this game or what's like the ripple effect of this game. And I think that there have been past playoff uh, losses where it's like Brett Brown's fault. It's Ben Simmons's fault. It's Doc's fault. It's injuries' fault. Let's just talk about Joel. I I just don't. I mean, there's no conversation about what what wrong for the Sixers here that doesn't start with Joel Embiid. Not only did he have just 15 points on five for 18. Not only did he only go to the line four times in a game seven. Not only did he only have one rebound in the first half. Not only did he at one point in the third quarter have as many turnovers as rebounds, not only did he take no free throws in the second half of this game, but he basically let himself get embarrassed defensively. And the Celtics just shot it in his face. And it almost seemed like at a certain point personal, like kind of just like how much embarrassment and pain can we cause this guy in this game? And the other weird thing that happened is I didn't get a chance to see his postgame quotes. But after the game, and he was gracious and he was good natured or anything, but he was not like heartbroken. He went up to Tatum. He was just like, you're the man. He was dapping everybody up. That's great. I don't want him storming off the court. It's just a game. I understand that. But if you want to be super, super cynical about it, 
even if like, let's say he's really hurt, which is what he probably is. He's got this knee sprain. Uh, if you're going to put yourself in the position of playing, then you have to play. You have to play well. You're the MVP of the league. And I just don't know if this was, uh, if this is good enough. And you may have to start talking about the entire conversation about the Sixers for the last eight years, it seems like, has basically been about like, what can we do to help Embiid? And now it might be, what can Embiid do to help the Sixers? Hmm. So you think you think we're about to just reverse course here at some point? No, like, I'm just I'm just saying yeah. I'm saying that the it's no longer a free ride. It's no longer this dude is the process. This dude is an icon. Like he is. I love him. Yeah. I love him. I love him. But this is is not how you go down, man. And if you're hurt, maybe you have to say like, "Am I hurting the team?" Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah, like you would have gotten some people would be like, and you can't stay healthy in the playoffs. But it's like at a certain point, you have to think about if you're if you're hurting the team more than you're helping it. Right. And I don't know that Paul Reed could have done anything or going small against the Celtics in game seven would have done anything. And I don't know whether it was after he stepped on smart when he got that when they got that foul one. and he came down and he steps on smart and Doc said after the game, that he didn't think he was the same after that. He wasn't the same before that. Right. Everything just looked forceful. Like it just looked like everything was just so difficult for him. He was lumbering around. You know that that typical that little elbow jumper slash like free throw jumper that he normally makes. I don't. Did any of those go in today? Like, did you see any of those mid mid ranges go in it's, today? It, I would have to go back. I mean, like this is probably not an exit and O's podcast because we're just still sitting in the game. I did not see the Harden goes left pick and roll with Embiid, yep. hit Embiid at the foul line, let Embiid shoot, let it be shoot. Let him let him shoot over whoever he got switches on Marcus Smart. Like he scored an and one on Marcus Smart even a couple times. Robert Williams was owning him. Al Horford just absolutely clamped him. Destroyed today. him. Destroyed I mean, him. Th- Destroyed th- him. This was shades of 2018 again. Like uh-huh. th- th- this not five just- years ago. Yes, five yes. years ago. And Embiid yes. is in his prime. And Al Horford is closer to my age than he is Embiid's. You know what I mean? Like let's be real here. That's like we are in the twilight zone with this guy. It's crazy because the year that we lost in the first round in the bubble, right? Al Horford was on the Sixers at that time, too. So then every other time we lose the bus and Al Horford's on the Celtics and we're just getting owned. The Embiid is literally getting owned by Al Horford. Like, this is crazy to me. Al, Embiid is such a dominating figure in the paint. And it's like, all right, at this offseason, right? We know what his game is, but does he add to his game a layer, like a Jokic type of layer where... No, what we what he can do is this. You've yeah. won the MVP. Now it's time to play 56 games a season. Now it's time to play 58 and 59. It's about managing him so that he is Anthony Davis and he is absolutely in peak condition for the playoffs. Whatever it takes. It's about... It's the Lakers plan. It's now we are the fifth, sixth seed. Miami is showing us. The Lakers are showing us. The age of needing home court advantage, the age of like one seed. Throw it out the window. It's over, man. Yeah. Forget it. It's like it matters if you're Denver and you were in the Rocky Mountains and now LeBron has to go up in elevation to play, mm-hmm. but it's Philly, man. It's it's like who cares? You're going up and down the Northeast Corridor, probably. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that like going forward, if Embiid is the centerpiece of this team, if you're not gonna consider the what would be unthinkable, which is to move off of Embiid. I think it's very telling that Embiid probably did not come out after this game and is just like, I need help from other people. They got to get me the ball. They got him the ball. They got him help. This was a really well put together team. Even by Daryl Morey's top heavy standards, this is mm-hmm. a really good team. I now, agree. Did, was, I agree. Was Boston but, always going to be better? I don't know. Yeah. But like, if you're Embiid, 
you cannot go home with this being your box score and that being your performance and that being your attitude during the game. Exactly. No, and I, I totally agree. And the biggest thing that concerned me was, is like, how, so how do you work around this? Right. Cause now you have the league MVP and you're going to go into next season. You're going to think, all right, we have to retool. We have to restructure the roster in some way. James Harden might be on a flight right now to Houston for all we know. James Harden is probably not opting into that contract. It's only 36. Does he get more than that on the open market? Maybe, probably, I don't know. But then it's like, who's the next wing? Who's the next guard? Like, what do we do? Tobias, how do we fix this? Niang, Melton, I believe Shake Milton, Niang, and uh, like House or somebody's like a free agent after the season. So it's like, how do we fix all of this? Like, we still have to keep him as a centerpiece no matter what. Because he's still the league MVP. You don't and have a all, choice. And, and there are several teams out there, Miami, Golden State, the Lakers, who are playing the same game that we're playing. Where mm-hmm. they're like, we need vets to come in cheap to, who want to win a ring. Exactly. If you're P.J. Tucker and you are like, I mean, I know P.J. signed for the three years and everything. It's like, but like the P.J. Tucker type dudes out there who are going to be available or looking to, to catch on with a contending team. Why would you come to Philly, man? Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. That's true. Because it's, then it's like, I see what the collapse is every single year. Like, there's, ev- there's actual hardcore evidence every year that this team is going to collapse in the second round, and there's no way to bypass that. So it's like, if I'm a, if I'm a guy, I know is going to suck the offense completely, the life out of the offense. It's going to be based around him. Everything goes through him. He's going to dribble the ball out, you know, not even look to pass when the shot clock is going down. When if he looks to pass, it's going to be three seconds left on the shot clock. You're going to have to put up a prayer each time. It's like, that doesn't even look fun to play with, right? Yeah. I mean, some of it is matchup. I, I was saying the other day that I feel like the Celtics and the Sixers bring out the worst in each other. And the yeah. Celtics actually move the ball a little bit better today. But the Celtics, like, just, they just hunt threes all game long. 100%. Just drive and kick. And the Sixers are just like, we're going to wind down the clock. And we're going to wind down the game and, you know, we're going to try and like squeeze this one out. And I, 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 look, I mean, I don't, what what is your take on the Embiid? Like, well, nobody's healthy at this time of the season. You got to gut it out, blah, blah, blah. Like if he's like, 
if he's like, I have a knee strain, you know what I mean? Like, do you want him out there giving you whatever he can because it can't get worse? Or do you want us to be like, how about we play the, the healthy dudes who might have something in the tank? Here, here's my thing. How, do, how about you don't do a back-to-back because you're chasing MVP from Golden State to Phoenix? Well, he got it now. You know what I'm he saying? Got it now. So now, you know, now that the MVP's out the way, now it's like, you're right. Let's get on that AD plan. Let's get on that who, LeBron plan where we missing 30-plus a season. Dude, put him on the care. Kawhi plan. How many playoffs is he been helping for? Put right. him on the Kawhi plan. Like, you got first-team All-NBA too, correct? So do you care yeah. about, you know, now you get under, what is it, 65 now? In order to get on the All-NBA team or to get an award now? So it's like, listen, get on the plan. Make sure you're healthy towards the end of the season and make sure you're ready to go because missing, ga- missing games in the playoffs to me is just crazy. Like, just the, the whole basis of, like, I get you're hurt. I get things happen. I get freak injuries always happen. But, like, the wear and tear on a seven-foot, two-man's body that's around two, 280 pounds, the way he falls, the way he flails on the ground, whether, whether it's, you know, on purpose or whether it's by accident, you know, either way, you're still hitting the ground. Like, the court is unforgiving. That's hardwood you're falling on. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're going to get hurt. Um, His game might- is predicated on physical contact, absorbing the physical contact, and selling the physical contact. He is not an overpowering basketball player. He's not Shaq. He is not getting to the rim and flushing it and de- telling dudes, like, I dare you to touch me again. That's not his game. His game is feel contact, fall down as I shoot. That's his game. And, he, and you know what? He's not going to add anything else. And I love him. I, I want to make sure I'm being clear here. Like, he is up there with Iverson and Barkley, but he is not Iverson. What do you mean by that? He is not, I, dude. He did. did I, there's a part of me that's just like AI fucking dies on that court tonight. Mm-hmm. And you, you felt and, like you felt like you didn't and, see enough. You didn't feel like you, you didn't see him put it all on the line today. It's yo, such a I mean, just like, it, and maybe it's just maybe it's just like I'm having like a old man kind of moment where I'm just like, dude, it was game seven. You didn't. Nobody wanted to like just fucking deck Derek White coming into the lane. <laughs> You know it's you know crazy. I mean? Yeah, I actually said that. I was like, "Look, like, this like is Jordan really good. Yang was a was a was a pretty dirty, but that was some game seven shit." Right, right. That was when like, he grabbed Jalen Brown, me out of the game. Yeah, yeah. 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 When he grabbed when he grabbed Jalen Brown, I was actually saying that too. When it was going up thirty, I was just like, "All right, man. At some point, somebody got to do something." Because like now you represent the city at this. So point. this is the crucial thing. You identify a crucial moment when they are walking away with the game, and you could say whether it was still in touching distance because the NBA is three point crazy. And you never know. It could be like five possessions and you get it down to seven and then everybody's in the room is freaking out. But they never went away from the one thing that they did all game, which was Harden brings the ball up, Harden dribbles the air out of the ball. Then he either looks for his own shot at the rim for a kick out or he looks for Embiid and Embiid usually getting the ball in a terrible part of the court. Like that, that one play where Embiid got it and he was like 37 feet from the hoop and getting doubled against the sideline and he still heaves up like a air ball from that distance as the clock winds down. It's just like, that's our, our offense in this. And it was never like, you know what? Let's have Maxi bring it up. Let's put more pressure on the point of attack. Let's let Maxi bring it up. And then let's get Harden off the ball and let's get maybe Joel in the dunker spot. Like anything different. Anything it different. Was nothing different. It's funny because in the beginning of the game, I actually saw like stagger screens at the top. I saw them yeah. running, like running some different motions at the top. They got PJ wide open. You know, got him his threes going when he had, I believe he started the game off with 10 points in the first quarter. But you know what that reminded me of? What? That reminded me of the old Andy Reid 10-play script start game. (laughs) 
and you get started and you're like, yo, Donovan McNabb looks awesome. He's got like, Andy's dealing right now. And then we get to the 11th play and we don't know what to do. Right. But it's, but to me, it's like, why'd you go away from that if it worked? Harden, Harden himself, he clearly didn't have it. Like, I, can we, can we speak on that real quick? Like, yeah, let's go to Harden. Let's what? go to Harden. Because, Chris, like, you, you look at my face, like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I'm just so confused because it was, there was no aggressiveness, right? You get the penetration. You still don't even put up the shots. You're passing. And, and I, I felt like he made some great passes that, you know, the extra hockey pass that helped someone else get a bucket in the beginning. But then it's like, all right, bro, at some point, your legacy is on the line, too. When are you going to start? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He must not. He, doesn't, he, he, he must does not. not this is Harden's. This is Harden's line tonight. Nine points in a game. Three, four, time. 11, correct? Three, four, 11. One like, for five from three. Two free throws off of two attempts. A minus 30 for the game with five turnovers and seven assists. That's disgusting. And I then, can't believe he has seven assists. And then after, and then the, the fact of the matter is, too, is like, you know how he doesn't get any calls. It's Scott Foster. He should know going into that game. Look, bro, I'm not about to get any calls. But I still got to be aggressive and find my shot. I got to find a floater. I got to find my mid-range. I got to do something to help this team out and get the pressure off our best player. And he just wasn't doing that. He was just passing this out. The, this is where he's arrived at his career. Yeah. He does not want to be an off-ball guard. He does not want to come off a couple of screens and take a three. He wants the ball in his hand. He wants to go in the paint. He wants to get a foul, kick it out, or whatever. That is his game. He is not going to go do, like, he's not going to be... Uh, a spot-up shooter. If he was the dude standing in the corner where PJ stands, what, I, I mean, he might eat lunch all day long out there, but exactly. that's not his game. And you can say that's Doc not being creative. I put it on the stars. You think the stars were like, let's try something else? I mean, it's probably some, not. Probably not. But at some point you have to like realize, all right, look, this isn't working, right? Like, don't y'all just think, all right, maybe even if you're a coach, don't you just say like, all right, Look, we have to. We can try this. We can do this. PJ, go to the dunker spot. Harden, go to the corner. Tyrese, take the ball. Joel, set the set the screen at the top. Tobias, stay. You know, stay on the perimeter somewhere and just hide and shoot or drive and kick. Like, do what you do. Do what you do best. And we just didn't switch anything up. I'm like, bro. At some point, this is why teams are good because they do adjustments. They make adjustments. Like, look at the Heat. They always make adjustments. I I honestly think that that the adjustments part comes down to the stars, not the coach. Mm. I just think I don't think that those guys are so shy that you got to buy in. Though. Like, yeah, you uh, buy in. But I can't imagine that Joel Embiid and James Harden are like, man, this really we're getting our asses kicked. Maybe we should <laughs> change things up a little bit. They're like, nope, we're just plugging along. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe I'm about need, to say I find that very problematic. Then maybe because, you need PJ's PJ's heart in one of our best players because right. that's what Jimmy Butler is. And that is what Steph Curry is. And that is what LeBron is. And that is like these. There's a couple of guys out there who are like, I'm not only the best player, but I fucking care the most. But here's the thing, though. You know what else Jimmy Butler does, though? And if he was in a position of James Harden, he's like, man, after this, I'm getting to the basket. I'm either going to make sure I get this foul or I'm getting a bucket. I don't care what it is. You know what I'm saying? I, like, you don't, Williams, you don't see that. Those guys saw Rob Williams in the lane and they would turn around in a full circle and dribble out of the lane. And I don't know whether it's like, I don't want to get embarrassed by having this dude punch my shit or if what it is. But they did not want to challenge Robert Williams at the rim. At all. They did not want to challenge Horford. They didn't want to get their, their, their shot blocked from behind by Marcus Smart. The whole pro- point of driving kick 
is that the drive has to be dangerous. If you were right. going to drive, you can't help out to the shooters. Right. You, you, like you have to protect the, the yeah, rim. Yeah, you have to keep it on. You have to keep it honest. Out. You have to keep it honest is what you're saying. So at some point when you're driving, you have to shoot. Harden is a con man. He has no intention of actually going up for that layup and getting all. contact. So he is just going to either do the floater or he is going to kick it out or he's going to turn around and dribble back out and waste shot clock. And it's like, the thing is, is that I am not mad at Harden because that is who Harden is. And stat use put up a stat like at the end of the game, yep. Harden in the fourth quarters of games five through seven, zero points in 32 minutes. In the That's worse than Ben Simmons, of- right? Of course it is. <laughs> Yo, you saw, what he was it do- is. you saw what he was doing during the game too? Ben? Yeah. Like playing Call of Duty? What? No, he was watching the game. He put up a, a nice picture on his Instagram story of him watching the game. Uh, just in his living room, all plush, Tom Ford counter, you know, what all did he, did he have a caption or was it just like... No, it's hmm. just literally a picture. I think the score at that time was like 70-something to 100-something. So it was just a picture of the game while him just sitting there watching the game. Literally, well, that was it. Look, the, here's... I have nothing to say about that. I got. I know you wanted. Like, I know you wanted to go. I'll, off let, with I'll that. let you and Sheila and Raheem go go into that like later in the week when we're doing a little bit more of a post mortem. Yeah. Um, but this here's is the heartbreaking reaction, part of yeah. this game. Here's the heartbreaking part of this game, man. If I had told you before the game that at the end of the game, Toby would have 19, Tucker would have 11, and Tyrese would have 17, would you have said we would have won easily? Because you would have been like, Harden and Embiid got to be good for 45 to 50, right? Right. If not more, it's a closeout game. So if we're getting that from our three other good players, we got Toby's, one of Toby's best games. Tyrese was fine. Tyrese was the only person who seemed to have a brain in his head tonight. And, and Toby was playing good defense to start the game out too on, uh, on Tatum before Tatum went ballistic in that second half. It just comes down to like sometimes the heart of the star players, man. Like Embiid, yeah, he was being aggressive, and t- but he was taking some wild ass shots. A lot of stuff that just wasn't going to get called, and we knew it. And then, you know, Harden did his Houdini act, and he just disappeared like he does in some in these situations in his career. And it's forever intertwined with Harden, Embiid, and Doc. And it's just like, these three guys are just notoriously known for coming up short in major situations. And that that found itself again tonight. That reared, that mm-hmm. reared its ugly head again tonight. Like, just in the worst fashion possible. Mother's Day primetime game garden is rocking perfect reason to, to go in there shut you know break all the boston fans hearts instead you get 50 pieced and you get you lose by 30 but yeah there's just, there's just like the imbalance and you probably got a lot of people regretting yeah. their mvp vote beyond, be, beyond strategy what's like like where do you find like the balance in that like where do you find some type of like just like grace from that i like i don't even know where I don't know, man. Yeah, like I I mean, you you look at the playoffs this year. I would have to look, but it feels like you're not seeing a lot of loss, twelve point losses, nine point losses. You're seeing a lot of close, close games or blowouts because I think guys in long series are like, all right, this one got away from us. Let's sit the guys. Let's 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 shift down. Let's try Mm -hmm. not to get hurt. So I don't really know what this like the point differentials like what it really says. The Sixers quit. With at least a quarter, at least some change, two minutes of game left to play. You know what I mean? And I feel like the the big. Actually, I'll tell you what I thought. The the moment I thought the Sixers got their backs broken was the hard and flagrant. I was about to say. I think the hard and flagrant. 
Um, and it reminded me a lot of the Maxi take foul controversy from the previous game. Yeah. No, because you remember the Maxi foul in the game yep. six. So Maxi gets a fast break. He gets the, the Cuts take fouls on Tatum. And, and B shoots the free throws. And B shoots the free throws. Then they have like a five-minute conference to decide that actually Maxi needed to throw the free throws. And in that conference, the entire the arena just like went to sleep. And the momentum completely shifted. In this game, the Sixers were up eight in the second quarter, right? Harden gets the flagrant on Jalen Brown. I guess it was a, I mean, I guess it was a flagrant. I was about to say, what do you think about that call in the first place? I mean, I think that there's like a little bit of like Brown's carrying a facial injury. So there's like a lot of like narrative to that moment. But I think Harden throws his bows around a lot when he's going into the rim. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And Harden gets the flagrant. They get the free throws, they get the ball, they get a Robert Williams layup, then they go down the court, get a stop, and get another two. And that's a six-point swing in like 25 seconds, if, if that. And that, it to me, was when the Celtics started running downhill. Yeah, I totally agree. And then they ended up what going on like a 25-3 to three run or something like that. Just like, it felt like forever until the Sixers And then you have scored. the Niang yeah. thing, which is yeah. like, I don't, the Niang thing wasn't, that wasn't like a momentum shifter, but it was another like, what are we doing? Like, that was like stupid who, as hell. By the what way, what kind of fucking what team does this? You know what I mean? Like, I understand like he was kind of falling on Niang's probably. It's like the Ishbia moment where like I don't think anybody was really trying to like jam anyone up there, but you're just kind of like, what are you guys doing? Well, like what like the like you're not just don't touch him. You know, like don't grab his leg, don't do anything. Exactly, I totally agree. And then I've. I looked at Jalen Brown's response right there, and I'm like, because initially I was thinking like, what, what, what is he mad? What is he angry about? And then I saw the replay, and I was like, oh, uh, okay. Like I totally. And it's just get like it. I think yeah. in the playoffs, this this playoffs, like it's just a little bit yeah. more like the Dennis Schroeder grabbing dudes' knees and people grabbing it, people's knees and stuff right. like that. It's like a little bit out there. And so all the Philly people probably think like, oh, he just touched his leg. It's not. It's no big deal. I'm like. Uh, that's kind of a big deal. If, like, it was, really, if, yeah. if the dude who was wearing green and he grabbed right. B's knee, we would be you would having be, like an we would be livid too. meltdown. So they absolutely, yeah. they did make the right call that after I looked at the replay. But the, but even after that, I think that kind of like woke the Celtics up too because then Jalen Brown hit a massive three coming down at, like after that when, J, when Jason Tatum was going off doing his thing and he got the ball at the top and then knocked down the three, like a wide open three-pointer because they couldn't rotate on defense. Like another thing was they just could not Rotate. They just ran out of gas. Yeah, they, ran like, out, they ran out of gas. Completely ran out of gas. If it's Harden's Achilles and Embiid's knee and PJ's old and D'Anthony was in his head and Tyrese is a kid and whatever the excuses are, they I mean look they're like not long enough, they're not long yeah. enough to rotate and also they're pretty slow so they can't they don't get out there quick enough to close out a gap by any means necessary. Like the Celtics are great at spreading out teams, and driving and, like you said driving and kicking but making that extra pass too and then just like how many threes. I wish we had like a second spectrum where we can see how many threes are just where the closest defender was like two feet apart from the Celtics, you know, a Celtic shooter, you know, but that was bound to happen. So this is my thing is like the Sixers should be embarrassed by game seven, but game six should haunt them for the rest of their professional. For careers. sure. For sure. That's going to haunt the city for our professional careers. Like, think about that. Like, we're, we're going to look you back. Just, like Tatum was like, he was like giving them the series. Tatum couldn't hit water falling out of a boat until the second half of this game six, or really towards no, the no, end fourth, of the game. It was like the fourth, fourth like quarter. The second end of the fourth quarter until he yeah. finally realized, oh, Tyrese Maxey's like six foot. Let me just yes. get the ball over him and start shooting and over him. And he shot himself out of his slump. 
and we that is the one that's going to haunt people. And you know, I saw a couple of people. I saw some. I can't remember where I saw it. So apologize for not remembering. Someone was like, "Do we need to start talking about Embiid as like, as like a a Ewing, like a really, really, really good player, great mm-hmm. player mm-hmm. who just you can't get anywhere significant with him?" And mm-hmm. I gotta tell you. Patrick Ewing went to the finals, man. I was about to say, I don't, I don't agree with that because I feel like we can get somewhere with Embiid. We probably just need like a better wing slash guard that's not going to disappear in a big game. Like, imagine if we had, I hate to say it, but imagine if we had Jimmy Butler instead of James Harden in tonight's well, game. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 God knows what this franchise would be in with a couple with the. God, I mean, I, how, how different the would the Jimmy franchise Butler, look? Yeah. The Jimmy Butler rose tinted glasses that everybody has, I get it, but Jimmy Butler also was like knocking Spoh's like clipboard out of his hand, or like like they had like an altercation like three months ago. Like Jimmy Butler has blown up a couple of organizations, so it's not like Jimmy Butler would just if you just kept him that year, we would have definitely won the finals by then. Like a lot could have happened. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I don't think I think you can definitely win a title with Embiid. It just depends on who that guard is or who that forward slash wing is that's going to, you know, kind of fill the gaps of what Embiid falls, you know, it's just falls short of, if you know what I mean? Like who's going to actually come out and give somebody 25 plus on any given Sunday or Saturday or any, any regular season night or any big game situation. It's just like, I feel like we've never just had another guy in a big game situation that could give us 25, a guaranteed 25. We can go to him. Besides maybe Jimmy in that era in that 2018 season or 2019 season, I'm sorry. Like I, I like I, I think that's what it takes. Like Embiid's a championship level player. It's just what's surrounded by him. Like you have Max, you have a great third guy. Tobias is okay, I guess. But like, where is this the other guy that's going to really get you some buckets? You know what I mean? Like I think Look, I think they get past the Celtics with another good wing player, All Star level wing player. Or great guard. I, I just I just don't know what the path is to that. That's why Daryl Morey gets paid what he gets paid to do. I'm <laughs> just looking just through some of the quotes post game. Uh, Embiid. I'll just read out Embiid's quotes here uh, about Doc. He said, and I'm getting this off of Derek Bodner's Twitter. Derek Bodner NBA on Twitter, and he's a great Sixers writer who does the Daily Six newsletter. I thought this is Embiid on Doc. I thought he's done a fantastic job. We've gotten better over the years. I thought he's done a great job. They ask him a little bit about Bud and Nurse and Williams all being let go. And he says, look, you look at what's been happening all over the league. It's tough. Then again, I'm glad I don't make those decisions. All those guys, they deserve to have jobs. Uh, And beat on coaching changes around the league. At the end of the day, maybe GMs and owners have a different mindset. Sometimes change is good. Maybe that's what they believe. Uh, And beat on Boston. That's Boston. Uh, That's the best team in the league. They're so talented. They got a lot of guys that can play great basketball. Losing to them seven games, I thought for the most part we played hard and we just came up short. We just didn't make shots, all of us. Defensively, they took away our bread and butter, which is the pick and roll between me and James. They made a great adjustment and they forced us to really look for James on it to attack and make plays out of that and either finish over Rob or kick it to the corner. So basically what we said, and you read it on Twitter and you look at him after the game and you're like, if Embiid seems okay with this, then I guess I am too. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta, I maybe this is the, the, the tortured, Philly sports. I was about to say, Chris. Let me let Philly me tell sport- you this. It, tell, it sounds like you just threw in the towel, bro. Like that's what me? it sounds like. Yeah. What do you mean? Like it's just like, yo, I'm just kind of so over this like wash, rinse, repeat action of, uh, you know, maybe next year they'll finally retool and get a proper guy in there that can help. This has been know. a hard season in that way, though. 
this has been this has been hard because like I don't think these guys don't play basketball with a lot of like um verve like it's it's a very like plotting style mm-hmm. and i sometimes i'm like whoa we we won 50 plus games again this season and mm-hmm. i know that we were the best team or one of the best teams after christmas and i know that it was just after the other than that first month the sixers were among the best teams in the league we started every pod doing like where they are in offense and defense rating and talking about blah 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 but it's it's not like a college team where you're in love with these dudes and you like you live and die with them and their kids and stuff like that. Like mm. these are all pros and B's been doing this for a while now. Like we can just say what we got to say about it. And it's just like, I, if you don't like watching the team that much, it's hard also to like know what to say when they lose. Finally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe you liked watching them more than I did. I, I, I mean, I do just cause like, I'm just like a diehard fan. It's not necessarily because of like, the I players. am too. I, yeah, but yeah. Like when like you, you are, when, they, when it's over, you're like, put me out of my misery then. Right, right, right. No, I definitely agree with that because like, the, especially the way it, it always ends. It just feels like it just ends the same way every year. That's why it just hurts so bad. That's because it does. <laughs> it, does. it really does. It ends it, yeah, exactly it, the same way every, every single year. year. And then you get to the summertime, you hear about, a little off-season addition uh, here and there, and you're like, okay, like I got some hope here. Like, okay, I can kind of buy in here. Like, I, I, I think we got some cooking here. And then it's just the same result. It's like, it's like injury late in the season to one player, injury late in the season to another player. Best player gets hurt during the playoffs. Somehow yeah, makes we'll, a miraculous and then, comeback. And then role players go cold, and then that's it. Right, and then it's just like no one's reliable off the bench, and then you have to face the Celtics again. <laughs> right and then you just and then Kawhi Leonard hits a, the craziest shot if you've ever witnessed in basketball like it, there's just so many devastating scenarios that you've just invested in this team for so long and each and every single time they just come up short and they find like the same way to do it but in a new harsh way like tonight was just like a new blowout no life 50 ball in Boston most hated rival, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like, and, a, and I think that the, uh, the way you, you just talk about it is like as an investment. That's I think that's the process part of this. Is like the process was start. It started not, literally ten years ago, and not only was it painful, you know what I mean, in the beginning, and what and like trying to get you get your mind around like actively losing for three years or whatever it was, and and losing all these games and trading drew and whatever it is that like people were feeling like at the time about that stuff and learning this kind of new way of thinking about team building in a lot of ways. And then to be, to be here 10 years later is tough. man. and I, and I don't know whether or not bulls fans feel better about it. You know what I mean? Like a, like, like I don't know whether there are teams out there that you're just like, Hey man, we, we gave it a shot this year. I didn't really have high expectations, but there were some fun nights and yeah, we lost in the second round. Like the Sixers go into every season with the weight of the world on their shoulders. And so do Sixers fans. That's because the expectations so are always going to be high different. here. Yeah. Yeah. The expectations are always going to be high here. This is not, like you said, this is not, you know, the Bulls fans where they've given up on basketball for the last, you know, since D Rose has been hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like out here every year, there's always some sense of false hope. Like you failed year after year after year. You got number one pick, number one pick, number one pick. And you finally got, you know, you hit on a guy who wins MVP and you feel like you have a good team around that guy. You know, you bring in a former MVP, top 75 player, 
you think like, okay, like finally got something brewing. You finally got something cooking here. And then it's just like the disappointment just, it just finds itself again because you realize that guy isn't that guy, you know? Yeah. Like, does that make sense to you? Like that guy, isn't that guy you thought he was? Yeah. Cause, but I think that we've been spending the last five, four or five years being like, Oh, it's just about finding and bead the right wingman. And now it's like, I don't know, man. I mean, like, like Harden obviously is a deeply flawed player and sucks when it matters most. And that's obviously not a recipe for success, but I don't know how to flip this. Like I don't, I, you, it's somebody smarter than me is going to have to tell me how we get Damian Lillard to come to Philly and play with Embiid. You know what I mean? Somebody smarter than me is going to have to figure out uh, like how we get the, like the Mikhail Bridges, Dorian Finney Smith gang to come to Philly. Like no one's going to help this team out. Like, I don't really know what the solution is here. And I don't, I, it's, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to give up on the Sixers or something like that. But this is like a very tough way to end the season. And especially everything that's tied up, how it's tied up in Embiid's individual achievements versus the team's success and what, what it will, will take for him to be healthy finally in the, in the postseason is like the, honestly, if you can't get a different, crew around him you're gonna have to figure out a way to get a different Embiid in the playoffs now if you get a different Embiid again I I mentioned this earlier I was like well his game still has to somehow be not I don't want to say retooled but like yes yes to add to it to help these guys out like you can't just put your head down every single time and think all right this is going to work I'm gonna get a foul I'm gonna do something I'm gonna put up a crazy shot right like again that's like part of the Embiid magic but Good teams figure that stuff out all the time, you know? Like they figure yeah. this same good team has figured them out three or four different postseasons. So it's like, what does he do to help this process? You know what's funny is I've been I've been listening to Light Years a lot, which is a Warriors podcast, and I've really mm-hmm. been enjoying it. And I've been listening to a lot of Warrior stuff just because I find what's happening with that franchise to be so fascinating. Kind of like the way they tried to do the two timelines thing and the fact that Bob Myers is up and they have to make all these decisions about Draymond mm-hmm. and Clay. So I'm really very interested in the Warriors. And one of the things that a lot of hardcore Warriors fans will talk about a lot is running pick and roll with Steph and how like effective and efficient he is when they run PNR with Steph. And right. why, why doesn't Steve go away from all this stuff, this motion crap and running Steph off of 15 screens? Like they should just run PNR Steph and he kills everybody every time. And I kind of understand a little bit, I think, of why Steve Kerr does that is because you do need a multifaceted offense. Right. And I think that the Sixers seemed to have one play. And then when Boston took it away, we didn't have a second one. Exactly. It was a pick and roll. And it's like, and like, so exactly. And like, it's like if Embiid wears down or if Embiid isn't playing his best or if Embiid, whatever, and you get into a situation where our offense is giving it to Embiid 17 feet from the hoop or in the arc around off the arc. Like part of me is just like, I maybe you do need a different coach to come in and be like, it's my way or the highway. We're using you this way now. And I, I don't know what that way is. And I don't know. I don't, I, I know Embiid does not want to be marginalized as like a rim protector dunker. And I don't think that that would be a, 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 a effective use of his talents, but he's not Joker when it comes to creating offense for others. Correct. And I, I agree with you on that, but maybe I think for Embiid's sake, if he actually really is invested on winning, and I'm not going to say he has to 
maybe drop down in numbers or think of it in that sort of way, but maybe he has to think of the others around him. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like a lot yeah. of a lot of his yeah. style of basketball, and this is not like I'm not saying this in a detrimental way. It's just kind of selfish, right? Like it's just, yeah. hey, give me the bet. It's he says it's, it. he, it's it's hero ball. We can say it's hero ball. And see, so is AI. Like you know what I mean? AI AI wasn't making like AI had like a bunch of lunch pail guys around him. To, he had no choice. He, he had, had no choice. He had Eric Snow yeah. and, and and you know like AI had no had, choice. Yeah, yeah. But that was like the offense was AI goes to the rim. You know what I mean? Like that was the Larry Brown offense. And it's like Embiid, Embiid with the ball in his hands, grinding up shot clock. And then if you miss that, a team like Boston goes down the other end and hits a three. Like that's how you get your heads knocked off in a playoff game is because there's not like a vibrant offense outside of this dude. And mm. Joker can obviously create so many open shots for people because of his, his pretty unique passing. His skill set is crazy. His vision yeah, is crazy. So it's like yeah. I'm not I'm It's not like Embiid has no vision when he gets the ball. It's like his vision is me to the net. <laughs> like that's it. Like I'm not passing this I'm not passing this ball. Yeah, and, and it's like, do you, I mean, like, it's just tough to be like, oh, great, another season of, like, how quickly will Embiid recognize the double team? Like, that's not fun, dude. Exactly. So, I feel like if you get a different coach in here, maybe they'll say, all right, let's pick up the pace a little bit. All right, Joe, if you don't see a shot within, you know, five, four, three, if you don't get in a move within five, four, you know, three seconds or something like that, pass the damn ball. Tyrese, come off, give, you know, do a dribble handoff, do something different. Like, you can't do that empty pick and roll each time where the double team is right there and you have nobody to pass it to. You have to make like a crazy cross-court heave pass that's going to get intercepted by Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon and Derek yeah, White. Yeah, and, and six, you're not six. exactly throwing it to Clay Thompson. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're throwing it to a guy like Melton or, or, or PJ who's like 30%. You know what I mean? Or like thirty five percent. Like they're not sharpshooters. They're not. They're not forty percent plus. Yeah, man. Like yeah. it's it's like that. There has to be a re reimagination of mm -hmm. how this team plays basketball. We've done reimaginations of the roster. We've done reimaginations of the coaching. We've done reimaginations of the co pilot. Now it needs to be probably like more of a fundamental. Like, okay, dude, you got the MVP. And it's still wound up in the same spot. What do we do next? Let, let me ask you this. What do you think is a checklist that has to happen in order for the Sixers to finally get out the second round next season when it comes to maybe an addition of a player? Not type play of player? Boston. Not play Boston. <laughs> All right. That's and, number and I, one. And I, I'm that's joking, but yeah. I'm also like, maybe like this kind of goes back to my like, Embiid should be on the Kawhi AD diet or whatever. Mm. Like maybe don't worry about seating. Maybe don't worry about individual awards. And maybe just be like, how healthy can we be when we go into the playoffs? Because we can go beat somebody in their gym. And you have to answer these two questions. Is James Harden coming back? And I is Doc Rivers going to be the coach? All right. I, and I don't think either happens. I just feel like, because Daryl Morey and James Harden are boys, right? Like those are, those two have been intertwined for years since, you know, since Houston, they have a great relationship. Everybody knows that. But I feel like James Harden even kind of saw how this offense moved, even though he did lead the league in assists per game. I feel like he's thinking like, all right, well, this offense is really slowed up and it's really not predicated around me. Let me go back down to Houston where it's going to be Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. And whatever young rookie comes in here when we get the top three pick and I'll just live, live out the rest of my career, just being comfortable and being happy. Like I can't necessarily keep doing this here in Philly where the offense is going to be, you know, just completely overtaken by Embiid 
and I'm going to get the brunt of the blame for it. Because I feel like that's what he thinks he is. He thinks he's going to be like a scapegoat, right? Uh, I don't I don't know, man. I, I like with all these post game quotes are not. I'm not seeing like pro wrestling Joel in these quotes where he's yeah. like, everybody's going to hate me no matter what. It's like, you can't say that, dude. Like you had grown men crying and you, as you won the MVP. Like, dude, people <laughs> love you. Like, I love this player. But exactly. like, it's very frustrating to watch people make the same mistakes or, or have the same results over and over again. That's it, man. It's, yeah. That's all I'm saying is like, I, I think that, I think that you we can we can everybody can have like honestly like if we had beat Boston tonight do you think I would be complaining about play style? Do you think no. we would be complaining about this dude gunning? Like I don't care. Not a chance. Like, I, but play style is what got us here. Like yeah, play style got figured out. That's what. That's why we are sitting on this post mortem podcast about to send us out to the whole city of Philadelphia, and everybody's going to be like, "Damn, this is super depressing." Well, I mean, like I I don't know how to I don't know how to sugarcoat it. I know the you other day. You, when we you got, won, you were like, damn, dude, I thought you would be more excited. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. Like, I, <laughs> I think that this entire series has just been like, I can't believe we're playing Boston again. I can't believe that this is blah, blah, blah. I can't believe Tatum's playing bad. He's yeah. probably going to start playing well again. But like, what do you what, like? We can't sugarcoat what what happened here. And like, I think that there's a tendency sometimes to like really rent your garments. Like Philadelphia's had like an awesome 18 months with mm-hmm. the Eagles and the Phillies and the Sixers have been good this year. And like, it's just been a really like awesome time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. Yep. And it's like, I'm trying not, I'm trying to keep things in perspective and everything, but uh, I think that, I think that the NBA is becoming increasingly cutthroat um, for better or for worse. And I think that despite it having a baseball like schedule in terms of how long the season takes mm. the, the takes and the consequences are getting way more NFL esque where you're, you know, Monty Williams, Monty Williams can win 60 plus games, take a team to the NBA finals, resurrect a franchise, has two bad playoffs for a lot of reasons, and he loses his job in Phoenix because of a new owner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse can win a title, lose his job in Toronto. Bud yep. can win a title, lose his job in Milwaukee. Dwayne Casey can like, win coach of the year and lose his job. Yeah. Dudes, yeah. Are, dudes are cut and bait on guys. Like things are moving really fast. There's no, it's, we're not going to see a lot more Spose and Mike Malone's. And, and pops, pops where dudes coach up. for ten years and are just like, yeah, man. Sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. Think about it's it, Missoula. Be like that. Missoula might have been canned had he lost this game seven. Like that's how crazy. Honestly, that- wouldn't have shocked me. It wouldn't have shocked me. I mean, maybe maybe Brad would have felt bad about doing that or whatever, and having another coach, like a third coach in three seasons for the Celtics. But it wouldn't have shocked me. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It, I mean. Yeah, this is frustrating. So you, man. So you like, think Harden's gone? You think Harden and Doc I, I, are gone? I think I think both of them are gone. I I feel like number one, Harden didn't give him quite the endorsement at the end. You know, like I said, Daryl Morey rocks with James Harden. He doesn't really rock with Doc Rivers. He inherited Doc Rivers. He got James Harden here to Philly. He's been boys with James Harden for forever. He met James Harden once he got off the PJ. Once he got traded from somehow somehow Harden was on a PJ from Brooklyn to Philly. <laughs> After he got traded, <laughs> you can't even get traded. a direct flight from JFK to Philly. <laughs> so he got Harden got on the PJ from uh from Brooklyn to Philly. Um, Daryl Morey and his daughter met him at the PJ. Like that's his guy. So I I feel like the rumors have been circling since Christmas Day. Hey, James Harden is ready to get out of here. Harden hires an agent. Like he's these are all moves that says all right, I'm getting ready to make my next deal. And not only that, the player options for like 30 something million extra. I feel like 
he can maybe touch 40. I mean, like, does the money really truly, does that four or five truly matter to Harden, given that he's like a gajillionaire by now anyway? But like, I just, I think James wants to live in, yeah, I, like, I think James wants to live where he wants to live and he wants yeah, to have a team he, that revolves around him. And Houston and he, is home for him and that could be easy. Yeah. And M.A. Udoka's down there. Like it's all set up for James Harden. Well, I will say, I don't know what this version of Udoka is going to be like after the Boston situation, but <laughs> Udoka typically does not let dudes just like do their thing. Right. Like the whole rap on Udoka is he gets in people's faces. He's the tough guy. He's demanding. So I don't know if that has anything. Is that's going to change anything? He certainly did not give a ringing endorsement of Doc Rivers after this game. He said he said our relationship is okay. Like, come on, right? If you you, if you were really cool with somebody, you'd be like, oh yeah, me and Doc we super solid. He said our relationship is okay. Like, huh? That Uh, that tells me that they really not that cool in the first place. They just they're working. They they have a working partnership. I can't believe to me like that's bill tomorrow. And to me, like, that's never really good if you have, like, just a straight working partnership with somebody. When you talk about guys that have really great relationships. Yeah, with if somebody coaches, was like, how's Cliff as a producer? I was like, he's okay. <laughs> you would be like, yo. Like, what's going on here, man? Like, what? I'm just okay. I thought you was my guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, would Tim yeah. Duncan say that about Greg Popovich? No. Well, Tim Where, Duncan didn't say anything because they were always winning the finals. So. Would D-Wade say that about Spo? <laughs> no. You know? Like, just just think about that. Like, really think about that. That... If a guy really liked a coach, he wouldn't say, yeah, our relationship's okay. That was very telling to me because James Harden, he sprinkles out little bits and pieces when he's talking, and you just have to read through it and understand like what he's saying. Um, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Because just, we're just going to go in circles. Uh, I think that later in the week, you can expect to hear Cliff, Raheem, and Shield talking a little bit more big picture with Sixers, maybe after exit interviews. Maybe Daryl will talk. Maybe Doc will lose his job. Uh, given the speed with which things are moving in the NBA, if it's going to happen, the Sixers probably need to move quickly so that they are not last in line when it comes to pick their pick of coaches. There's a couple of really big names available, but there are also obviously some big jobs. There are rumors about Ty Lue. There's like, there's a lot going on out there, and the Sixers probably can't afford to be like, we're gonna we're gonna take a step back and think about everything as we head into June. Like they're gonna have to move quickly, even if it's gonna hurt. Uh, I don't know if if Josh Harris has the same appetite to pay for some of this stuff now that he just bought the commanders, but we'll see. Um, I'm looking at Daryl, man. I'm looking at Daryl. Daryl, you got to do something, brother. We need you now. This is where the real work starts. Come on, Daryl. That Harden trade was cool, but we need you to do something now. Yeah. Uh, Cliff, thanks for producing us today. Uh, Thanks to Raheem for talking with me all season. I'm out for the next couple of weeks, but I'll be back probably closer to free agency and trade. We can talk some more Sixers. In the meantime, you're in really good hands. Thanks for listening to the Ringers Philly special. We'll talk to you soon.